0: And Father, just like when Lazarus had died, you said even in that situation, it would bring glory to God. And we just pray for resurrection life in Megan's family. Father, that, that you would bless their family with, with resurrection life through the death of her papa. That there would be a, just a, a great... Um, baptism of your spirit upon them all Lord that if any of them do not know you that they would come to know you that those that do know you would experience your heart and and the depths of your heart Lord in in a new and beautiful way and Lord we we thank you that you cause all things to to work for the good of those who love you and been called according to your purpose God We bless Megan, Lord, right now. Just say, we bless you, Megan. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Before I get into my sermon, I just had, I felt like this scripture is for somebody this morning. It's Ecclesiastes 7, 8. And it says, the end of a matter is better than the beginning, and patience is better than pride. And so... I feel like whoever this is for, maybe you're in a, a space of where it's confusing. You're kind of confused right now. Uh, this kind of the context of whoever needs this scripture. You don't really know what to do. You're, and, and I feel like the end of the matter is better than beginning patience. new sword actually this is a shield I guess that's here's the sword and Greg was going I knew Greg was going to correct me on that um, <laughs> but uh so Ecclesia. so there was once upon a time Jessica and I were confused about each other or I was confused about her and we're at youth camp serving the same youth group not married and uh, I was ready to move on because it was getting hard. (laughs) How many of you can testify that, you know, when it gets hard, the natural instinct and sin nature is let's bail, right? (laughs) Let's bail. So I was in that place because it was getting hard. I was confused, didn't know what was going on. I was like, God, I need a scripture from you. Something I can just like anchor myself on. And if, when you're in a a hard time a confusing time I feel like that's like one of the best things you can do said God give me something to like anchor on just imagine like there's there's like this rock that you can wrap your your anchor can just attach to and it's just gonna hold you steady so I heard the Lord say Ecclesiastes 7 8 I had no idea what it meant turn to it the end of the matter is better than the beginning patience is better than pride And I just thought it was interesting that it's saying pride is the opposite of patience. And so one of the fruits of the spirit is patience. It takes you yielding to God to have that. But anyways, I just feel like that's that scripture is for someone. And uh, you might be confused right now as to kind of where you're heading or what God wants you to do. But he's just saying just to hold on. So I want to talk about this aspect of God's nature that he actually delights in us. And this is something that I've had to grow into. My, when I first came to the Lord, I knew God. I didn't have a problem understanding God as powerful as having authority being strong. Like I didn't have issues with all that. And we used to go to 722 Bible study, North Point Church, Louis Giglio, before he had his own church, would speak at it. We'd drive from Watkinsville to Atlanta and, uh, you know, they would play these upbeat worship songs and I I could get into those. And then they'd sing, this is the air I breathe. And I'm like, please and then they and then they'd sing something like some kind of tender love song to the lord and i'm just like he's not i remember one time he's not like that (laughs) he's not some puppy he's not he's not like he's strong he's mighty he's powerful like he's not he's not like cozy And I just remember, it's like, come on. And you know, we happened to be going through Elijah House Inner Healing Ministries at the time. And in a nutshell, basically, the Lord said, "You have a problem with intimacy." <laughs> you know, and so I was like, and so he started, you know, taking me on this journey of, first of all, learning about sonship. And you have, we have two aspects of our sonship. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about because I'm actually going to be talking about the Bride of Christ later. And so but in Romans eight it says we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is what Lainey Omer is at and Asa Watson. That's the Abba that's the cry, Daddy. That's what Abba means, daddy. And it may, it's in that place where you can't, you don't do, when you're a baby, all you're doing is pooping, eating, crying, sleeping. You're not serving anyone. Am I right? But yet you have people adoring you everywhere you turn. And you're doing nothing for anyone. You're actually demanding things. And so the Lord says, we actually can come to him in that place. Provide for, Lord, we, you provide for all of my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So we can come to him as Abba. The father part is when you've, you're a mature son. And you say, Father, what would you like me to do? And he gives you trust over the family business. He's like, listen, I'm going to go away on a trip and i need you to watch over the family business and i need you to do xyz yes dad i'll do that that's the mature son and so you we but we get to go into both of those places at any time you always get to keep the abba father and you but we grow into the father how do you want me to steward the family business the kingdom and so um Anyways, that's part of understanding God's delight in you. You got to understand that He, your, we call Him Abba. Daddy, I'm your favorite, right? And and so that's important to learn. And we were at Call to War last Sunday night, and uh, it's me and Jason, Brian, Phil, and Elliot. I think that was that was it. And uh, Brian, he, he had a handout with all of these lists of scriptures that were our, our identity in Christ. And uh, one of the scriptures was Zephaniah 317. And it's, it says, the Lord is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. He will exalt over you with singing. And it's, the declaration attached to that is like, God celebrates me. And the question that Brian posed, everybody's like, which one of these, you know, it's like 50 statements do you have the most trouble identifying with? And so I got to Zephaniah 317 and I was like, this one's kind of tough to see the Lord dancing around me and that, and the, the word rejoice, it means you're leaping and you're springing like you're, you are going bananas around somebody and so it's a picture of God dancing he's leaping I mean I imagine I, I don't want to display it for you I don't want to I don't wanna make y'all jealous but I, anyways I just but he's dancing he's leaping going crazy and says that he's a victorious warrior the Lord is in your midst and I, I just told the guys I was like you know, this is the one I, I have the hardest time seeing like God's celebrating me it's like I, I feel pretty good you know he he provides for me i see him do that and, and lots of other things but the celebration part and jessica as we, in our marriage we've she's had to kind of teach me how to celebrate i mean even there, we've had conversations i was like birthdays is just another day right no. i know <laughs> i know i know now kelly because <laughs> i got rebuked you know just <laughs> like that you know so anyways <laughs> but i uh it's like, I was like, it's just another day. You celebrate anybody any other day. The problem with that is if that's your attitude, you don't celebrate at all. And so, <laughs> you're like, I can celebrate you on Saturday, but you're just not going to get around to it. So, the reason we, we celebrate holidays, birthdays, is because you, you're intentional with it, right? You purposely celebrate, and you have to do that. Wade's got a celebration. He, Wade's purposely celebrating tonight, And And... Uh, I'll let you tell people about that after church. But, uh, and so Jessica, she's had to teach me to celebrate, you know, and Jessica, part of her family, her dad would celebrate when she would, would mess up. And so Jessica's got this thing in her where she, he asked her to park his, his truck when she was eight years old and she scraped it down the garage wall, which was brick. And he said, man, you did a good job. <laughs> and I was like, what? who would say that you know but he was like i asked you know and he's like i asked you you're eight years old what was i expecting you know kind of like you to do it perfectly but he rejoiced that she did it not that she did it perfectly right and so you know i have i do i had i do have memories of being celebrated my parents did a good job with birthdays and the time i remember most about being celebrated was when I was a senior in high school, and we won this double-overtime game against Wanderbear, and they had triplet brothers who were animals. And we beat them. And like I said, when a double overtime, our point guard hit a half-court shot to send it into the double overtime. And that day I'd gone down, my great-grandmother was supposedly on her deathbed. So I went down to South Georgia four hours away, came back up. You know, a tinge of drama. I, I'd say that because one of the coaches made a big deal about that because as, as I tell the story, we win. People stormed the court, and it was probably the best game I had of my high school career, and so a lot of, a lot of pats on the back. And this one coach, Coach Burnett, came up to me. He said, your grandmama couldn't be – I bet she couldn't be more proud right <laughs> And she, he just started crying, you know. And he thought she had died. Little did she know she's hard to kill. She lasted seven more years. She's <laughs> she was ninety-seven when she died, you know. And so, um, but it was like, man, you just you kind of felt like the hometown hero for one day, you know. Then the next night we got beat by Loganville, and so that's the that's the praise of man, right? It's like very temporary, but the Lord, He's He's doing that double overtime win for you every night. And this is how I imagine if you were playing basketball with the Lord, how it would shape up. You're down by two. Jesus takes it. He shoots the three, swishes it. Y'all win the ball game. And then he puts you on his shoulders like you're the hero. And he celebrates you. And he's celebrating you because you're on the You're on the floor with him that you're on his team. That you're co laboring with him. Jesus is the hero, always will be. But he celebrates us as if we were the ones that made the shot. And so the Lord, he delights in us. The Lord God is in your midst. I read this, but that word rejoice means to leap in spring and says some versions say he will quiet you in his love. And I don't think that's a great translation because I'm a Hebrew scholar. I'm not saying that, but the word actually means to like engrave. And what I feel like he's saying is like he's going to engrave his love on your heart. I think that's a a better translation. And I I remember I had a, a prophetic word years ago guy called me out and he said I just see your heart it started off kind of i was like i don't know where this is going he said i see your heart like stone and i was like okay <laughs> and, was, and uh he said but the, no the lord it's like a tablet it's like a the lord's writing inscribing joy on the tablet of your heart and i was like okay yeah all right <laughs> that's good i'll take that don't want no heart of stone lord and but um but the Lord reminded me of this word when, as I was preparing for this. And as I was just sitting with the Lord about this word, I heard, it's like I heard the word Hephzibah. And I heard it in Mike Bickle's voice. I don't know if you've ever heard Mike Bickle preach. But I heard, I heard him say, Hepzibah, And it means my delight is in her. So it's in Isaiah 62 verses 4 through 5. It says, you shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be any more termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah, and your land Beulah, which means married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. What's interesting... um, about this is Isaiah 62:10 is like a commission that God has given us as a church, and this is preceding this commission of going through the gates, clearing the way for the people, removing the stones, building up a highway, and uh, lifting up a standard over the people. That's Isaiah 62:10. But this, I feel like we have to get verses four through five, but if we ever want to really walk out Isaiah 62:10 and its fullness. And so the, the Lord, you know, as the body of Christ, we're married to the Lord. God has made uh, this commitment to us. And he's determined by marriage covenant to never leave us. The only way we can be separated from God is if we leave him. He says, that never, he said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And even when we're unfaithful and we're adulterous in our hearts towards the Lord. It's like he has, you know, Jesus said, you can't divorce a woman except for the adultery, right? It's like God could technically divorce us if he wanted to, because we've been adulterous, but he chooses to to stay, right? And so this revelation of us as the bride of Christ and being his beloved, that his delight is in us. Revelation twenty-two seventeen 17 says the spirit and the bride say, come. It doesn't say the spirit in the church it says, come. It says the spirit and the bride say, come. And so before the second coming of Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to emphasize our spiritual identity as Jesus' bride. And so as the bride, we're positioned to experience God's heart, the emotions or affections of God for us. God, he wants you, he wants to touch your emotions. And sometimes this gets bad play because we don't live by sight, we don't live by emotions, we live by faith, right? But what... It's like encounters with God are meant to sustain. It's like some of the, the most profound encounters with God I've had were right before a hard season or a transition season. And so what they're meant to do is help, help you walk those seasons out, right? God revealed himself to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm your shield and your great reward. I'm going to send you to a far off country. I'm going to have many nations come through your line. And then what did he do? You got to leave home. You got to go to a land, you know, not of, you got to walk off your map. And I'm going to give you a son where we you know, he encounters Moses in the burning bush. What does that encounter sustain Moses to do? Lead the people out of Egypt. Right. And so the encounters with God, he, we, we have to have those encounters to be able to walk out the, the things that God asks us to do. And so it's part of your, your prayer life needs to include God encounter me. In ways, encounter my heart, touch my heart, touch my heart. He wants us to live it out. Now, Moses had the burning bush experience, he had the mountaintop experiences, and then he had to walk it out in real life, right? Where people were grumbling and complaining, and there was no, there was no uh, goosebumps or anything like that. But you have to remember, that's why God says, remember, remember. And so the Hephzibah message, it's the same as like the Song of Solomon or even uh, David's Beauty of God message. It's about that God delights in us and rejoices over us as a bridegroom rejoices over a bride. I remember the night before marrying Jessica. You know, sometimes the night before you get married, you go out with your buddies and it's like one last hurrah. And I was like, I want to be in my room by myself. I'm going to take me a bath. I'm going to go to bed early cuz I can't wait for tomorrow to get here to get here. Cuz I want to be with Jessica. I want to be with Jessica. I didn't want to And if you if you went out with your buddies, I'm not condemning you or anything like that. I'm just saying I'm that was I wanted to leave the old behind. I was ready for the new. And so I wasn't trying to hold on to the old season. I just wanted, I just was ready to be with Jessica. I was ready to be her bride. And I feel like that's the, what Jesus is longing for. He's like, Father, tell me when to go. <laughs> tell me when to go. I want my bride. I want my bride. And the, and the Father's just saying she's not ready quite yet. But I'm making her ready. Holy Spirit's making her ready on the earth. We're not ready yet. And so what's a lot of... The, you know, this, this prayer in revelation twenty two seventeen. I believe it's okay to start praying it right now. If you're not already doing it, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, the spirit and the bride say, come, because what it's going to do is going to get the church ready for, for Jesus to return. It's going to, and the purpose of that is Jesus is coming for a bride that's equally yoked in love with him because he's, he's so in love with us that he, he gave his life for us, right? Well, he's coming for a bride that will give her life for him. Whatever that looks like. In all the many ways that's going to laying down your life for those that you love. And so as God establishes and increases the tabernacle of David, which is 24-7 worship and prayer around the world. This truth is essential to sustaining prayer in Isaiah 62-6, which is, I've appointed watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. So both the message of the bridegroom God in verse 4 and the continual prayer in verse 6 are essential to like a, that forerunner message, that Isaiah 62.10 through chapter 63, verse 6. Sometimes the chapters carry over. You guys just put numbers in there a long time ago. So God is entrusting the Isaiah 1 through 6 message to those who understand and know His delight in them. And so I want to read. uh, Well, just tell you 1 through 6 is basically talking about the return of Christ when He comes up from the south, marching to Jerusalem, clothed. And we were listening to the song this morning, it's called Jesus in red. And, And Lydia said, what does that mean? I said, it's Isaiah 63. He says, who is this coming up out of Edom clothed in scarlet? And Jesus is going to be defeating his enemies on the way to Jerusalem. And the blood from his enemies is going to stain his garments. He's coming because we're in a season of mercy and grace. And then there's going to, when Jesus comes, it's called judgment day, right? And so he, he's coming to make everything right. And that includes destroying his enemies. And so the reason, how does this, how does the Hephzibah message connect with Isaiah 63 one? Well, who's going to preach that message in love? that Jesus is coming to destroy his enemies. Who's gonna, who's gonna preach on Reve- the book of revelations and the judgment seals and the trumpets in a spirit of love without condemnation. You have to, who is the one that Jesus gave that revelation to John, the beloved, the apostle who said, I am the one Jesus loves the most. <laughs> He's the one. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't any of the other guys. So the spirit, spirit, the, beard and the, bride, the spirit and the bride say, come. Psalm 147 says, His delight is not in the strength of the horse nor his pleasure in the legs of man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope, expect his steadfast love. Psalm 163. I'll just read this one. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the majestic ones. All my delight is in them. And Psalm 149, which was, Psalm 149 was also given to our, our church as like a key, the whole chapter as a key scripture for our church is by Bob Johnson. And the Lord continually brings it up. But part of that, that chapter, it says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will glorify the humble with salvation. This scripture also says they have the high praise of God in their mouth and the double edged sword in their hand. And it means that our worship is war- is warfare. We carry the word in our hand, the sword of the spirit and we're worshipers and we worship everywhere we go. We went downtown Thursday night street preaching and we worshiped downtown even before we preached. And it's, there's power in it, and there's, I'm telling you, it shifts things. And we went. It was uh, a. It wasn't Thursday night. It was Wednesday night, St. Patrick's Day. And it was, it was already crunk by six six o'clock, man. I mean, it's people drunk and off the rocker. It was definitely the most heckling we've received, you know, on a on a street preaching night. And I just, I told uh, Greg, I said. Dude, you counted worthy, man. You've been counted worthy. And we just started laughing at that. And the thing was, there was no, we felt, I felt the love of God, and I think everybody else, Greg and Brittany and Lori were there. It wasn't, I mean, we had people cussing at us, telling us it was effing liars and all this kind of stuff. You just, you felt, the Lord's love for those, those people. And I'm telling you, I'm like, just go downtown St. Patrick's day. You'll have people who, who are, uh, you know, they got tattoos all over their, all over the body. And you got people dressed in khakis and a polo shirt. And both of them were heckling. There's a lot of people that need Jesus. There's a lot of people that need Jesus. And he's got that kind of love for him where he doesn't, he's, he's like, you just forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they do, right? So how do we cultivate our, the Lord delighting in us? You know, Kellogg's cornflakes back in the 90s, they said, taste them again for the first time. <laughs> I feel like the Lord's saying that, taste me again for the first time. Go back to it, the simplicity What does he say? He says, Wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It's as simple as being still before God, before the Lord, and and knowing that He is God. Be still. Let God initiate your prayer. Let Him send you to a scripture. Let Him speak to you, but let God initiate it. But taste Him. And it's that simple to connect with the Lord, is to wait on Him. We practice thanksgiving and rejoicing. You thank the Lord when somebody calls you a liar. You say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that we got, we're counted worthy of being heckled tonight. And we're not trying to be heckled. We're not attacking people when we're preaching. We're we're preaching good news. God came to save you. He loves you. How many times do we say Jesus loves you that night, man? So many times. So we've got good news, but we we rejoice in those things. And then another principle of the kingdom is whatever you need, you give it away. You want to experience the delight of God? You tell somebody else how delighted either you are in them or God is in them or both. So whatever you need, you give it away. So I want us, uh, worship team. If you'll come back up here and during ministry, Tom, ask the Lord to encounter your heart with his delight that he, he delights over you. And if you're like me and that's something that you've got to grow into, you need to ask the Lord to help you. He's he's our, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, right? He wants to teach us these things. He wants to teach us the love of God, the delight of God, the celebration of God. When they partied in the Old Testament, they partied. It was like food. I mean, fat calves, oil, wine. I mean, they went after it. So the Lord knows how to celebrate. When Jesus returns and we're seated at at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it says, we're going to eat of the fatty meats. I mean, it's like, it's a party. God knows how to celebrate. And so, wouldn't it be awesome if one of the things we're known for is like, man, they really know how to celebrate people. And it doesn't mean that you, we wink at sin. It doesn't mean anything like that. Grace is, the ability, is God's ability to get out of that and to not sin. Grace is not permission to sin. Grace is the empowering ability of God to help you stay out of that. Because Jessica and I were talking about this yesterday, we went for a walk and we just remembered, you know, it says sin has a a wage, right? You get paid, sin has, pays you something. And it says the wages of sin is death. And so when we go down that way, it doesn't matter how temporary or anything looks and maybe we, we're lying and we're making some quick money, it, le- it leads to death. The wages of sin is death, but God gives us grace to live the way he, he asks us to. So, let's ask the Lord to encounter our heart. Also ask the Lord, is there anybody he wants you to share with about how much he delights in them or, or just that you delight in them? Could be your child, could be a friend. Let's worship.